In this episode, we meet the host of the Restless Millennial podcast, Stefan Spirof. And I had the honor of being on Stefan's show a couple weeks ago, and he really impressed me with his enthusiasm, with his charisma, with his ability to ask specific and fantastic questions. And I knew with those communication skills that I had to have him here on the I Will Teach You To Speak show. In this episode, we chat about how to ask great questions, how to attack the day, and the impact that hosting a podcast has had on his personal life, on his network, and on the way that he sees the world. You will love this episode. Looking forward to you checking it out. This is I Will Teach You To Speak. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Pleasure to be on. It's a little weird being on the other side of an interview for once. Yes. This before, so this is my first podcast appearance. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show and I want to return the favor because I really enjoyed the experience on the Rustless Millennial podcast. And what I wanted to do is just start off by you sharing what is the Restless Millennial? What does it mean to you and why did you start the podcast in the first place? So The Restless Millennial, it's a blog and podcast that focuses on young entrepreneurs. Uh, so basically, my I was coming out of university. I took media studies at the University of Guelph Humber. Okay. I was thinking to myself, how can I continue to use my skills uh, now that I'm graduated? And I've always loved business. I've always loved entrepreneurs and learning about people. And so I figured, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurship blogs out there but there aren't any that focus on young people because mm. argu arguably our generation is a lot different than other generations in that there's so many entrepreneurs, like everybody in our generation for the most part wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody, I guess that's, that's a stretch, but it's either we get a bad rap for being lazy millennials or we get a bad rep for, you know, being entrepreneurs and not wanting to get a nine to five job. Okay. So, Basically, the restless millennial is to kind of change the narrative around millennials to give young people a space to tell their story in their own words and um, provide value to others. And that's pretty much my 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 goal is to help people live optimal lives, not only in business, but in just life in general. I love that. And I'm curious because you mentioned that this perspective or this view that millennials are lazy or that they only want to be entrepreneurs, they want to do... What's the vision that you want people to think of when they think of a millennial? Like what's that ultimate goal or what do you see in millennials that you want other people to see? Well, I see that there's a generation of people who are, you know, not, I don't want to say fed up with the corporate world, but they mm -hmm. just, you know, they want, they realize that with digital media, with social media, whatever, that there's opportunities out there to build your passion, to do something that you're passionate about. Because, you know, you can share stuff every day on social media and millions of people can see it. Mm -hmm. So if you find what you're passionate about and, you know, I think young people are realizing that they can be using social media for their passions. And uh, that's why I think there's a lot more entrepreneurs, younger entrepreneurs now than there was before because people didn't yeah. have past, right? There's so Absolutely. much business. So, okay. so I, want, I want my audience to kind of, you know, realize that there's this generation is not so lazy. Like we're actually, you know, motivated to, to do our own work and like build, build things around our passion. 
personally, I've loved doing this podcast because one of the best things about it is that I get to meet interesting people that are up to cool stuff like you, like Kevin Rempel, like Michael Lorette, my, some of my friends that I wanted to get to know better. And as doing the podcast was an excuse to do that. So I'm curious for you, since you've done dozens of episodes now, who's been one of your favorite people you've met? And what has been one of the biggest takeaways that you've been able to gather and garner from that individual? First of all, they've all been great guests. You know, I've, I've interviewed some amazing people, some videographers, some, you know, young entrepreneurs. I have interviewed yourself, a public speaker. Um, I have to say that the two people that popped to my mind, I know this is going to sound biased because I'm on your podcast. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I'd say Manu Goswami. And if you, if you guys don't know who Manu Goswami is, he's who's voted top 20 under 20. He's the CEO of TrueFan, which is like a, a company that helps like social media influencers find their top fans and it like creates a reward system for them. Yep. But, uh, when I interviewed Manu uh, about a month ago, he talked about how young people should be using LinkedIn for networking. And he okay. it, I thought it was really powerful how he, you know, he explained how powerful it is for young people and why he even said high school kids should be on LinkedIn. Hmm. High school kids should be interviewing people on LinkedIn because of the, the opportunities that will be available to them after high school and into university. And um, I, I, thought, I thought that was really powerful. And even for yourself, the interview where you came on The Restless Millennial, I thought your advice on attacking the day was hugely powerful. Because, you know, I'm, I'm someone like myself, you know, I'm one of those people who still occasionally hits the alarm at a couple times every morning. Yep. And I just, I walked away from that interview with you with a new kind of perspective i'm saying like this is my day like i, I should be attacking the day like you attack the day yes. and i think that honestly and even on the rest of this millennium i'm gonna post a little content bit from that i don't know if you saw my other one i posted yes. with you i'm gonna post the attack the day uh, one as well because i thought that was hugely valuable to my audience really appreciate it man uh, very di very diplomatic answer, but I appreciate the kind words. I am. Let's dive into Manu a little bit further because I've been following him on LinkedIn. Like a lot of people who use LinkedIn frequently do, especially young people, because he's been a, a great. He's demonstrated a great platform of what's possible for young people to be able to grow. So you're saying that everyone should be on LinkedIn as a byproduct of that interview. Have you spent more time posting and engaging and trying to build your presence on LinkedIn? Yeah, that's, that's an emphatic yes. <laughs> so okay. ever since that manual interview, I've been posting everything that I post for the rest of this millennial on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, I now post on LinkedIn because of the opportunities, right? And the thing about LinkedIn is that it's the audience on Instagram is like, you know, there's, there's teenagers, there's kids on Instagram, but LinkedIn, it's all professionals. Yes. The smaller audience too. So I found that whenever I post some of my videos on LinkedIn, they get a much larger like percent like amount of views okay. than on Instagram, on Facebook, on, on any of Twitter. So I, that's why I'd say LinkedIn is hugely powerful because it hasn't yet fully developed a hundred percent. And it's still, it's still in, on, in a stage where if you're jumping in now, you're still considered an early adopter and you're going to reap like huge benefits of being in it now opposed to 10 years from now. I appreciate the reminder. I'll have to get on that and post more content on LinkedIn. And the last thing worth mentioning about LinkedIn is that context matters because the, the content that you post on Instagram and on Facebook and Snapchat and things of that nature aren't necessarily going to be appropriate when you come over here and you're talking about professionals now. When you think about posting on different platforms, this can be valuable for a lot of people that are trying to build their brands and put content in the marketplace. What are your thoughts on the difference between the platforms and then how to put 
content that's appropriate for that platform for those viewers? Well, I think on LinkedIn, you don't have to be like super formal or anything, but you should be a little bit more aware of like, you know, don't make grammatical mistakes when you're posting on LinkedIn because, you know, there's going to be professionals potentially even in your field that you're trying to get into who see that. And if they see grammatical mistakes, then obviously your credibility is in the trash already. That makes sense. Uh, whereas on, you know, the other platforms, people screw up tweets all the time. People yes. screw up Instagram posts all the time and no one says anything because they're casual platforms, whereas LinkedIn is professional. So yeah, I think you should, you should definitely be more careful with what you're posting on LinkedIn. Not, not necessarily what you're posting, but the way you're posting it, like your descriptions and stuff like that. Tell us about your process for coming up with questions. And the reason I ask this, it's, it's partially selfish, but I know that being able to ask quality questions is going to direct people's leadership and their entire lives. And so I'm curious because I can tell, and I'm very conscious that when I ask you questions, it directs the flow of the interview. And if I ask you a different question, we go in a completely different route and I'm trying to add as much value to the audience as possible. And I'm trying to pull the best out of my, my guests. And so when you do the podcast and you're thinking about the questions you're going to ask, what's your approach to coming up with the best questions and how do you, what's your process there? So number one, all the questions should be open-ended. There should be no yes or no questions. That's just like something we learned in, in journalism school, like first year. Perfect. And so basically when I'm writing uh, questions for the podcast, I, I literally just like jot down everything I want to know about that person or their business. Okay. Usually it's like a list of like 30 questions and then I just narrow it down from there. And, uh, you know, kind of just get rid of questions that I think are less relevant. Because sometimes, you know, when you're doing like a brainstorm, you'll have questions that when you look at them a second time, you're like, okay, this, this question is actually like, that's a completely different direction. Like, yeah. like not even relevant to the podcast. And so, yeah, so I'll write everything down and then narrow them down from there. But uh, the, the biggest thing that I give for like creating questions is make sure they're open-ended because there's nothing worse than asking someone a question and then all they say is yes. And that's the end of the question. <laughs> okay. Can you elaborate on your experience in journalism a little bit and how the lessons and skills that you learned in school are applicable today? And I love that you're pursuing the podcast to try to get more out of your education because a lot of people are not going down the route that they took in their education. They're doing something completely different. So kudos to you for taking advantage of that. Well, that's the problem, right? Like most people, they go to school for four years and then once they're done school, you know, they forget everything they learned, right? So it's the same with high school, right? If you think back to high school, what do you <laughs> I don't remember shit from high school. Am I allowed to swear in this podcast? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, like I don't remember much from high school. So I don't want the, that to be the same thing with my journalism skills because this is what I actually want to build a career around. So, um, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. What was the question again? Yeah, using journalism and the lessons you learned there to be applicable to the podcast. Oh, okay. So Yeah, exactly. So when I first started out in journalism, um, like I, I would ask questions that weren't open-ended. So, mm. you know, my first couple of interviews were really rough. I was really nervous. I was, my voice was shaky. And mm -hmm. uh, like I'd ask questions and then I'd get a response, like a yes or no response. And then that was the end of the question. And then you're just like, what do I do from there? It kind of catches you off guard. But um, as the years went on, we, you know, we did a lot of work in TV. We learned how to interview people. We learned how to ask the right questions. We learned how to ask questions that you know, would put people, not necessarily make them uncomfortable, but the tough questions that are going to get the good answers. Yeah. So often when, um, and this goes back to the, to the last question when you asked me about how I create my questions, often I think about what, they're gonna, what the answer is going to be to that question while I'm writing it out. 
because most of the time I'll have an idea what the person's going to say. Obviously, I don't know exactly, but um, a lot of the time, a lot of the questions that I write out, uh, the answer is very similar to what I thought it was going to be. And that kind of prepares you a little bit and gives you a little bit of you know, less anxiety when you go to do the interview because you know you kind of know what you're going to get. But um, you obviously, like when you're interviewing someone, so they can throw you a curveball and just completely throw you off. But I think it's good to have an idea of what kind of answer you're going to get to the question. Okay. Before we shift gears out of the podcast, I wanted to ask you, about the benefits of hosting a podcast for those that have been interested in creating their own show or creating their own content. What have you, what have you seen as advantages or what doors have opened up, what opportunities have opened up by doing the podcast and would you advocate for others to have their own show? Well, doors opened up to the, from the podcast. Well, I wouldn't be here doing this interview with you if I hadn't started my podcast. Good answer. So, so there you go. That's, that's a, that's an example right there. But honestly, no, like podcasting is great. You know, it helps you become a great communicator. You meet people. Um, the reason I, that's another reason why I started the Restless Millennial to meet like-minded people. And through the podcast, I've met so many like-minded people, including yourself. And um, so that's another benefit. You can you can network, improve your ability to communicate, and also it helps you build your personal brand too. Um, yes. If you're a business or you're an individual, a freelancer. You know, everybody should be thinking about building their personal brand. And I think a podcast is an easy way to do it because it doesn't cost money. Well, it doesn't cost that much money. Like if you have a SoundCloud account, it's like 15 bucks a month. Okay. Who can afford 15 bucks a month? You can afford a 1099 Netflix account. You can afford to do a podcast as well. Very true. So, um, yeah, those those are the benefits for me. Being able to communicate better, meeting like-minded people. And um, building a personal brand, that those are the three benefits of creating a podcast. Okay. Challenging question, and I want to transition, shift gears into more of a rapid fire round. So the first question is about some of the biggest obstacles that you've been able to overcome. And then, like, what's your self-talk look like when you're in the middle of obstacles so that you can continue to overcome those? In terms of the podcast? Podcast, life, school, any of those challenges you've experienced, maybe with women, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we'll get into that. We'll see. But um, uh, I think for the podcast, though, I'll start there. Finding locations to record because okay. most of the people I interview aren't over, you know, over Skype. Not that there's ever, you know, video sharing services, whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just I like I like face to face. But now I'm I get like, that. It's re- it's hard sometimes because of the distance, right? Most mm-hmm. of my you know, the people who I've interviewed for the Restless Millennial have lived in like Vaughn or in Oakville or. Actually, a guy I'm doing this weekend lives in Oakville, and I, and I live up in Bradford, as you know. Yes. And that's quite the mission. And when you're coming back in, in traffic, it's, it's tough. But, um, yeah, so that's a problem. Not really necessarily a problem, just a kind of challenge to overcome. And, um, I and think uh, I, Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I was going to say I, another, another challenge is grappling with the question. And I know we talked about this on my podcast, Off Air as to whether I should try to monetize the restless millennial now or focus on growing my audience. Yes. And a lot of my self-talk in terms of that, you know, sounds like this. I'll be like, Stefan, you should really think about monetizing. But then again, won't that take away from your authenticity? Yeah. And then I think to myself, like, no, like not if you do it properly. So those are some things like, like, yeah, like I'll, I'll be, that's one thing that I'm grappling with right now. And I still don't have a hundred percent clear answer to it. But I think honestly, like just, to overcome those things, you just got to be able to just take a deep breath and 
like Gary Vaynerchuk says all the time, enjoy the process, not the end destination. You know, whenever you're feeling anxious or something, I usually just step back from the situation for a few hours, you know, let my mind recharge, go for a walk, listen to a podcast, go to the gym, work out, something like that. And that allows me to kind of refresh. And then when I go back into whatever I'm doing, I see it with clearer eyes, I guess. Perfect. One more tough one, in my opinion. Uh, this is challenging for a lot of people, but what's something you can tell us about yourself that you don't normally tell other people or that somebody wouldn't necessarily know about you? Uh, something that I can tell about myself. Well, I know this, this is kind of personal, but I'll say it anyways. I have suffered from bad anxiety at times. And I know that you know, being your past and the stuff you talked about on my podcast, this is something you can relate to. Uh, it, it was never to the point of needing professional help because it's not always there. You know, sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's not there at all. Um, but I've kind of in the re in recent years learned to deal with it. And um, that's another reason why I found that the interview with you, it really resonated with me for that reason as well, because I knew what you're talking about. I've experienced to some degree what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And another thing, it's kind of funny and embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you anyways. When I was a teenager, I used to record myself dancing to Michael Jackson music. Hey. <laughs> So people that know me well know that I'm a big Michael Jackson fan, but that's amazing. of people know about these videos, which are hidden on YouTube. And I'm uh, not going to give you the channel name because, yeah, I don't want these videos to get out there. Maybe someday. <laughs> that's hilarious. Long enough, maybe you'll see them someday. I love that. Yeah, I haven't told many people about that. Not okay, what's your that. favorite Michael Jackson song then? Man, that's like asking like a film student what their favorite movie is. Give me your top three. Uh, top three Michael Jackson songs, Man in the Mirror, Dirty Diana, and PYT. Which one do you feel most confident in your dance skills on? Oh, in terms of dance? Those are, those are not songs that really you can dance to. Okay. Um, confident dancing skills, probably Billie Jean. Billie Jean. Or, can you do, uh, for those that are going to be watching, can you do like a 10 seconds? What's that? Is there room in the room? Can you do 10 seconds right now? There's no room to dance. Oh, come on, man. Don't. Okay. What we're going to have to do is we're going to get a clip of Stefan dancing and we're going to mend it into this podcast. We're going to integrate it in somehow. That's what we're doing. Let's do it. I'm down. Okay. Send you something. Tell me about tell me about someone in your life that you're really grateful for. Um, well, that, I think that would have to be my parents. I know it sounds cliche. I know a lot of people say their parents. I did say. But, you know, my, my two parents, they um, raised myself and my brothers, you know, like they were like, like any parents should raise their kids. That's how I was raised. You know, the biggest thing of my parents was that as long as you work hard and you're a good person, then like they were proud of us. They're proud of us still. Um, and that was the biggest thing with them. Like it's never about being rich or successful with them because or even my mom, like where she comes from, she, she was born in Portugal and they were very poor. They lived in a stone house, no electricity, no running water or anything. So where she comes from, she knows that um, 
life is not about, you know, being, being the richest man in the world or, you know, it's, it's about doing what you want to do, being a good person and kind of treating people with respect. Right. And that's the way they raised us. And, you know, uh, they gave us, my mom and dad gave us a lot of, my brothers and I, a lot of freedom to do what we want. So it wasn't like some families where they're like, Oh, you, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Right. They supported us and still support us no matter what we're doing or what we're working towards. And that's why I'd say my parents are my greatest inspiration. I feel the same way about my mom and dad. So that's yeah. beautiful. And I hope that they get to see this and hear your gratitude and appreciation for them. To close off the show, I want to talk about self-improvement because it's a never-ending journey for a lot of people. I actually had an epiphany recently that I need to do, do, do less personal development and focus my attention and energies on other things. But I'll get into that on another show. What I'm curious for you is what's your process of self-improvement? What does that look like? Or, or how are you always ensuring that you're constantly getting better? I know the podcast is a way to do that, but is there any specific tactics or practices or habits or rituals you have that the audience can start to apply today? For self-improvement? Yes. I'd say the biggest thing is read books. Find out what you want to improve in your life go to the bookstore or go online and find like four or five books that are going to help you improve in that area. That's honestly, that's what I've done for everything. If I want to improve my communication skills, I'll go to chapters and I'll find a, like a book on communication after doing some research on Google on like good communication books. Okay. Actually, I read a book recently because I wanted to be better with women and I'll help oh, okay. to the audience and it's called men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Okay. I've heard of it. I have heard of it, but never read it written by John Gray. And basically it's uh, it's a book about, you know, it teaches people how men and women can get along and, you know, avoid arguments, that kind of stuff. And just like how, how to seduce women, not, not necessarily <laughs> women, but how to, you know, kind of be like, attract. yeah, or attract as well. That's a, that's a better way to, to say it. But yeah, that's just one example of, you know, I wanted to be, be better at something in my life. So I went out and found a book for it. And even the internet, like, the thing with the internet is that there's so much information out there and you don't yes. know what you're reading what you're reading is true. not always credible be bullshit whereas books mm -hmm. you can do your research on the book and you know that the author's like an academic in that field so mm -hmm. they know what they're talking about right so yeah that's what i'd say for for self-improvement read books and maybe use linkedin reach out to people that um uh have like you know good value to bring into to that area that you're trying to improve in your life like, let's say, you're, like I said, you're trying to be a better communicator, maybe find a guy who's, even find the author of that communications book on LinkedIn and, and ask him if he wants to meet for coffee, if he's from the area or somewhere nearby. I think so networking and, and reading books, I think is, are two of the biggest things for me for learning uh, self-improvement. Those are great takeaways. Hey, really appreciate having you on the show. What I want to do, and I like to close off because as I mentioned about asking questions, I feel like I can direct the show. This isn't something that I told you about beforehand, but is there anything that's on your heart right now that you want to share with the audience? Anything that, that's been on your mind or on your heart that you want to get out into the world so people can think about, they can ponder and jam on, anything that you feel is inspiration for other people? It doesn't have to be inspiration, but anything that's on your heart that you want to share? Don't compare yourself to others. And um, my last podcast interview was with a guy named Eric Bazzari, and he he was just preaching at towards the end of the podcast about how because he, he had started his own film festival and he was talking about how it's hard for him not to compare himself to others because there's so many film festivals out there. Yeah. And he struggled with, you know, thinking that his film festival didn't mean anything because there's so many other ones out there, bigger ones. But um, 
there was, I, I really thought about what he said in that interview. Um, when he, when he said, he said, what do you say again? He said, comparing your comparison is the death of joy. Yes. And, um, so yeah. So when you compare yourself to others, when you base your happiness on someone else's life, um, that's, it never ends well for yourself. So and that's something I've really been thinking about lately. Whenever I'm scrolling on Instagram or whatever, mm. I used to really compare myself and this is going back like six months to a year. And before that, I used to really compare myself to other people and say that, Hey, I'm 22 years old now. I'm a graduate. I should have a nine to five job in my field. Uh, but now, like ever since I've kind of come to terms with the idea of how bad comparison can be for yourself, I've realized that, you know, if, if I just do my own thing, everybody's on their own path, live your life, have fun, enjoy it. And yeah, just realize that you're on your own path and you'll get to where you need to be on your own time, not someone else's time. And I think that's something people should think about more often. It's a rational and pragmatic answer. I really appreciate that. That's very valuable. I will say it's one of my favorite axioms is don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter seven. Yes. It could be any chapter, but just we're all on a different path at different times. And there's no telling what people had to go through to get to where they're at. And so as long as you're starting and taking a step every day, and, and like you said, attacking the day and try to be intentional about your growth, I think that's a, a fantastic lesson. So I really appreciate that. Although I'm still working on the not clicking snooze on my alarm. Okay. I'll get there one day. I'll get there. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to keep hanging out and making it happen. So, hey, Stefan, <laughs> I really appreciate you being on the show. It means a lot to, to have your time and attention. You've been a, a great guest. If those of you that want to learn more about The Restless Millennial, they can download your podcast. They can add you on Instagram. Your Instagram is growing really fast and it's, it was at, making me envious. I was like, what's going on? How come he's doing that? But I'll try not to compare my Instagram to your Instagram and I'll just do my best to make the most out of my channel. So up on your 5 a.m. hustle as well. Yes. So follow Stefan on The, the Restless Millennial. Stefan, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks so much, Jonathan. It was a pleasure.